When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Check it out. Hey, I'm McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hey, Suns fans. This is Dave. Welcome to a special edition of the Solar Panel Podcast. Today, I've got a special show for you. We just had Media Day. Me with a couple of guests are going to recap everything we heard on Media Day, talk about the things that happened, talk about DeAndre Ayton's extension, also his potential extension after Michael Porter Jr. signed to Max. And then in the second half of the show, I have a special exclusive one-on-one interview with Cam Payne that I did today that's audio only that I added to the end of this show. So stay tuned. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome to another edition of the Solar Panel. Welcome everybody, welcome, thanks for coming by. We had Suns Media Day today. As always, I'm your host, Dave King, and I am joined today by a couple of guys who contribute and help out on the Bright Side of the Sun site, and we were all there together uh, at Media Day. Um, Brandon and Trevor were on Zoom while I was there in person. Hello, Trevor Booth, how are you doing today? Good, doing good, Dave. Getting ready for another season. Excited to, to roll with it. All right. And Brandon, how are you doing? Doing great. Uh, it's crazy that the season's already back. Still can't believe it, but I'm excited to get into it. Wow. All right. So, uh, yep. Welcome to the show, folks. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. It's a, what, 3 p.m. in the afternoon on a Monday. I, we usually don't uh, broadcast right now, but you know what? We had to get up there. We had to talk about this. We all just got done frantically transcribing things and writing recap stories. And um, I had a one-on-one with campaign that I'm going to be posting later on. And it was a really, really fun time uh, today at media day. Um, Trevor, let's start with you. What was, this was your first media day. What was your biggest takeaway from today's experience? Yeah, Dave, I think we could really tell that this is just a team that's driven to get back to the finals and obviously, but a team that really is focusing on the culture it has in place. We'll get into this later in the podcast, but James Jones and Monty Williams were both very confident um, in what they've been able to do. Um, and it proves we, we know who James Jones is, is a guy who's been a champion throughout his career and retooling this roster and putting it in a position to compete again. And, you know, Monty, he talked about getting away from basketball for a few weeks when he was in Texas with his kids kind of moving away, but um, they, they seem like a group that is going to be refreshed. I know it's only day one in training camp, you know, we'll continue to see, but they are very confident in the culture they have and what they have moving forward. Uh, what do you think, Brandon? What was your takeaway from today? 
Yeah, I think Trevor nailed it. I think it's just top to bottom. The culture has changed. You can kind of see that. Uh, no one looks satisfied. No one's like shying away from the short turnaround. It looks like they're embracing that. And uh, that's what you expect from a championship team. They're, they're going to go into the season looking to win every single game, uh, keep stacking the wins and build themselves uh, and put themselves in good position for the playoffs because we saw what that did for them last year, just getting the home court advantage and all that. So I think their continuity is also going to be a huge factor that you kind of saw just in the media day. Uh, it seems like everyone's happy to get back. Everyone wanted to be there. There was no drama. So uh, no fire alarms going off either, like over uh, in Washington. So it seems like a pretty good day. Yeah, no kidding. No fire alarms, that's for sure. Everybody um, everybody looked like they were excited to be back, like you guys said. Uh, one thing was funny is I went into the day wondering if – gosh, are these guys going to seem like they're back too soon? Are they going to feel like they're back too soon? It's been barely, you know, just over two months uh, since they last played a game. Is it going to feel like they hadn't had enough time off? But uh, the first guy we talked to was James Jones. And James Jones, this guy went to seven straight finals. So he knows what short off seasons look like. He knows how it, how you're supposed to come back on the next media day, what kind of attitude you're supposed to have, what kind of focus you're supposed to have. That's the thing. And then as soon as I saw that and I asked him about it and I said, what do you, what do you think? What do you think these guys are going to do? How are they going to, how are they going to react coming back off that big? He's like, uh, you'd have to ask the players. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we, we're starting at square one again. Just because we're in the finals this last year doesn't mean we belong in the finals again next year. We have to earn that. We have to get there. And it's step by step. And Monty Williams said the same exact thing. That was my big takeaway is um, anyone thinking the Suns were going to fall off back into, you know, um, any kind of depths of despair or anything like that or worried that uh, the Suns were not going to be as focused coming into this season again. Uh, I think talking to James Jones, Monty Williams, and a little, a little bit later on, Chris Paul put all that to rest. These are the same dudes we just saw trying to win in the NBA finals and they're going to be trying just as hard this next year. So that's my, that's my big takeaway. Um, we got a couple of uh, folks in the chat with it, with questions. Uh, the first person um, Isoquan asked, did you guys notice, did any players stand out? It looked like they put on some muscle over the off season. Uh, did it look like anybody came back bigger in that last two months? I think so. Uh, Cam Johnson, just from the pictures, looks like he did. Um, you know, the whole offseason narrative does get a little bit tiring. It's like, oh, player X put on like X amount of weight and everyone just kind of looks into it too much. But it's always a good thing. I mean, him and Mikhail both looked a little bit thicker. So and they're two guys that need to add that strength to guard those bigger forwards. So just looking at the pictures and just seeing them um, in those interviews, it's like they put on a little bit of muscle. So definitely a positive, but nothing to go crazy about. Robert, yeah. you anything? Yeah. I think same deal. It's kind of hard to tell just because it's only been, like you say, said, Dave, like two months. So how much can you really do in that kind of uh, span? Um, I, I think just from a confidence standpoint, <clears throat> you know, moving away from weight, I think DeAndre Ayton was really confident in terms of saying that Phoenix is going to be lit for this yeah. season um, and what he's going to put forward into that. Um, and for him, too, a guy that just had a really great playoff run and a productive one where he said that, you know, the world thought he was developing, but he's like, this is kind of who I always am. Um, so he had some really quotes today, I, I think, just outside of a weight perspective, maybe just a, a confidence perspective is what he brought. You know, according to the uh, to the roster that the Suns released yesterday, the final roster for the for the Suns coming into the season, 
Uh, JaVale McGee is 20 pounds heavier than DeAndre Ayton. Do you guys think that's possible? Is he really 20 pounds heavier? I don't think so. I mean, unless I'm missing something, maybe you have to see it in person, but it seems like he's only like what one inch taller. So I don't think, you know, that makes a huge difference. Uh, yeah. He's just got old man weight, right? Like I'm heavier than I was in my early twenties. So, and I don't feel like I'm, I'm certainly not any taller. That's for sure. <laughs> but maybe it's just older man weight since, uh, there's, there is what, uh, 12 year difference between them, 11, 12 year difference between them on the calendar. So that that could be it. Uh, Deandre just might be up to 270 without lifting another weight in his, in his life by the time that, by the time that happens. Um, I tell you what, what I, what I thought was really cool was, that everybody seemed like they were the same person that, that left. Like I, I mentioned that earlier, but DeAndre is another example. He has always talked like this. He has always talked like, yeah, I'm ready to dominate. I'm ready. There's more to come. There's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot more to me to show. But then in the next sentence, he's like, but I'm defense first. And I, and I, my, my biggest things that I know how to do and that I'm really, really good at is talking on defense and getting people in the right position and being the anchor and everything. Um, and, and some people might've, might've taken that as Deandre Ayton blustering as, as a young guy will do. But I, I think that's just Deandre Ayton being chill and being the Deandre Ayton that came from the beach and is, is always just happy go lucky. Uh, one comment he made was, uh, People were all the players being asked, what was it like looking back on being in the finals? What did you take away? What did you learn from that? Uh, what are you hurting about? What you know, what are you reliving in your in your mind? And and Aiden's just like, man, I look back at that footage and I couldn't believe that was me. <laughs> He's like, I couldn't believe I was in the in the finals doing those things at 22 years old. He was like, he was just as in awe as we are. And that reminds me of the same Aiden when he was a rookie, just saying, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm, I'm playing basketball. And after his very first game as a, as a pro, uh, he had a double-double against Luka Doncic's Mavericks when they were both rookies on opening night. And um, he was like, that's the most fun I've ever had in a, in a basketball game. And he's had a lot more games like that where he's had tons of fun. And I just think DeAndre Aiden is just into having fun. That doesn't mean he's going to ever do anything to detriment the team, but he's always going to find a way to have fun. So what did you guys think when Aiden mentioned, somebody asked, uh, are you going to play sometime next to JaVale McGee in the lineup? What did you guys think of Aiden's answer? He's like, heck yeah, Monty, are you listening? (laughs) Trevor, you go first this time. You know, I remember watching DeAndre back at Arizona when he did play the four and that just did not work. I mean, it was out of position and, from today's NBA perspective, you, you limit shooting in that regard, right? So it just doesn't make a lot of sense for it to happen unless we're going to see DA pop out and, and start shooting threes on a consistent basis. But um, just from a spacing thing and not being able to, to rebound or be in position in the same way, I don't know. I, I think they need JaVale to, to back him up. And that, that was clear in the finals that they didn't have that guy once Sarge went down. So, you know, you can maybe throw it out there at times, but it, it probably shouldn't be a consistent thing. <laughs> what do you think, Brandon? Are you ready to see the 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 two-headed monster? Uh, not particularly. I, I think, I mean, certain matchups, like it would make sense, but I feel like that's, for the most part, I'd be fine with Aiden just getting the, the bulk of the center minutes and, you know, JaVale just backing him up, kind of like Trevor mentioned. But, uh, yeah, I think as far as DeAndre's personality, that's just who he's always been. 
he's just a, a giant kid. He just has a lot of fun. Like even his pre-draft process, like before going to Arizona, he's always been the same way. Uh, he's also always been very coachable too. So I think some of the stuff you're seeing uh, taken out of context with his quotes and stuff, like people could take it the wrong way, but it's, he, he's just, everything he does is like out of, you know, good spirit and good heart. He's just very like mm -hmm. take it easy type of vibe. So um, yeah, I enjoyed his media day. I do think he's maturing too before our eyes, just having a kid and like the, the dad strength is also a factor too. So um, it's still kind of a, a balance of him being a kid, but also growing up a little bit. Absolutely. I, I just think he's on a team with guys who are getting older. There isn't a ton of guys who uh, obviously are, are late in their careers. You've only got JaVale and Chris Paul and, and to some extent, Jay Crowder. Uh, but they're also not super young anymore. Uh, the the second or yeah, the third youngest guy on the team right now is Landry Shamit, who was just acquired and just turned 24. Um, everybody else in the 24, 25, 26 range. Um, so these guys are getting more mature, as you're saying, uh, Brandon. But it's uh, it's one of those things where Aiden's always going to be one of the kids. What's so funny is that Mikkel Bridges is another one of the kids, and yet he's quieter about it. And so people don't like lump him in with DA and they're not the same kind of kid. But when Chris Paul talks about who's, you know, who are the sons like a family, Chris Paul, yeah, they're my family. And JC and Mikel are like my kids uh, because they're just so, so they just have fun. And you guys see Mikel dancing pregame and stuff like that and having fun that way. But they really are just, a, just, uh, they're growing up and they're, they're just trying to enjoy while at the same time taking it serious. And I think we're just so lucky um, as Suns fans to watch this team. These guys have already proven they can do what every other team in the NBA wants to say they can do. And they've already proven they can without being different than who they really are. Um, we got another question in the chat. Um, let's see. Uh, another from Isoquant. Was there any sense that we might see another roster move before the uh, October 20th season opener? Um, there was uh, someone mentioned about, are you missing anything uh, on the roster still? And James Jones made a, ha a, a quiet comment, a quick comment about they still have a roster spot open and they might look to see what they're, what's out there in, in preseason. But we did not, media day is not about what's going to change on your roster. Media day is about introducing who's already on your roster. And so we got uh, 10 minute interviews with guys like Chandler Hutchison and um, Jason Randall, who uh, Jason Randall is not taking the 15th roster, roster spot. He's on a training camp contract still. Otherwise, James Jones would not have said the Suns had a spot open because they don't, they wouldn't if he was on a full deal. So uh, the Suns are still looking. And of course, as Flex, our, our friend of the show, Flex from Jersey says, they're still in talks about the Thaddeus Young and all that. But nobody with the Suns was talking about other acquisitions today. They were only talking about introducing themselves and their roster as well. Um, so what do you, uh, let's, let's talk, let's shift gears to another takeaway, uh, from the day, Brandon, you had, a, you had a takeaway that it seemed like, uh, they were excited about their new acquisitions. Yeah. I, I think a lot of players went out of their way to mention JaVale McGee and Landry Shamit. It seemed like, uh, Mikhail was really excited to play with Shamit and we've already seen him like at ASU, uh, you know, taking the picture in the football game with him. So 
seems like they have that chemistry. They knew each other pre-draft and Shamit was talking about his relationship with him and DeAndre just being in the, the pre-draft process. So um, I thought that stood out. It seemed like they're just all excited players. JaVale too, just having a veteran that's kind of been there and done that, uh, especially DeAndre. His eyes lit up when he started talking about JaVale. So I thought that was funny. But mm-hmm. yeah, it just seems like those two additions are going to be seamless fits. Uh, they already know what their roles are. So there's not going to be a ton of like, you know, growing pains as far as like integrating them into their offense and stuff like that. So I think the continuity from what they already have with their top seven coming back and then adding those two guys, it's just going to be a quick transition and they're going to hit the ground running this season. You know, I thought that was interesting. Uh, Trevor, I'm sorry to talk over you real quick, but um, I thought it was interesting with Shamit um, uh, right after he was acquired uh, summer league happened and Shamit was already sitting with the guys on the sidelines in yep. Vegas next to Javon Carter who Mikael Bridges says he still talks to almost daily. And he's happy for Javon Carter having an opportunity potentially with the Nets. At least he'll be on a winning team again. Uh, so there's just a lot of love around these parts. Um, and uh, Trevor, Javon, sorry yeah, to cut you off. And do you see Javon actually went and shook hands with Jones during that game too? Yeah, he did. So after never being traded. Under McDonough, so. <laughs> oh, God. McDonough. Did, did, did anybody burn more bridges than Ryan McDonough after trades? Unbelievable. I mean, that guy, yeah, and, and players, even if Ryan McDonough didn't do anything publicly, no player was friends with Ryan McDonough. It's just they just weren't. They just weren't. My, you know what? You know what's sad is when more players are fans of the owner Robert Sarver than the GM Ryan McDonough. I mean, that's sad because Robert Sarver has didn't make any friends with his is is CBA negotiations back in in 2011. Um, Okay, Trevor, do you have any comments on this before we move on to the next question? No, I think briefly just to recap it, it was in positions of need, right? So you got two guys who are comfortable in their roles, like Brandon said, and and who are going to be ready to produce. We we heard from Landry Shamit the other day on the radio, um, and he said he's excited just to play alongside Chris Paul and uh, get in that mode. So that's a guy who's humble um, and ready to work, um, and we've seen that throughout his career at Wichita State and what he's done past in the NBA as well. All right. Good, good, good. Yes, I'm excited about the uh, acquisitions. Mikel Bridges also spent a minute talking about how he remembers Landry Shamet as a point guard in college, and he was surprised in their rookie seasons when Shamet was playing a J.J. Redick-type role, running off screens and catch and shoot, but not really handling the ball at all. So Mikel is actually looking forward to seeing if um, if Shamit is going to be um, running point at all or or ball handling, and I my thought on that was we we won't we won't know until we see it. But the Suns do a lot of two guard offense. I mean, you've got Devin Booker carrying two two ball handler offense because you got Devin Booker um, handling the ball a lot next to Chris Paul and next to uh, Cameron Payne. So I don't see any reason why Landry Shamit wouldn't get a little more ball handling opportunities this year. Um, okay, David Bailey asks. Are the rumors that the Suns and Spurs are waiting for a certain day due to restrictions? Let's talk about this really quick uh, because I, I think there's probably still a strong sense that a Thad Young deal will happen. And uh, the only rules that could possibly be in play are the 60-day rule after a trade with aggregation or a third team. So what Flex pointed out last week, and, and um, has, I got confirmed with other league sources as well, is 
if the Suns just wanted to acquire Thad Young for uh, Dario Sharch and Jalen Smith, nothing is stopping that right now. Nothing. There's zero. Because Thad Young is not being aggregated, and neither Sarge nor um, Jalen Smith were traded in the last 60 days. So no, there's nothing holding that up. So if the Suns are waiting for anything, which is what some people are hearing, it's because there's another team involved. And that other team cannot be involved until 60 days pass from the um, Thad Young trade because he's the only one of those three being traded, having been traded recently. So um, that's it's possible. And if that's the case, then it's right around October 6th or so, which is uh, toward the end of training camp and the beginning of actually it's right after the first preseason game. So um, if anything happens with a Thad Young, it would happen then. Uh, what do you guys think? Should uh, should the Suns do that trade and get that young? Um, and what kind of role do you see him having on the team if that's the case? Have you guys put any thought into that? Uh, Trevor, you go first this time. Yeah, not too much. Um, but I think from an experience perspective, again, if that's something you want to look at, because I believe the deal does involve Jalen Smith. Um, and we, would t- we talked about that throughout this offseason, just if you want to fill that rather than have a development project, that's a guy who can come, come in and do that right away. Um, but haven't given too much thought in terms of the fit and how it would look from a, a game planning perspective and things of that nature. The problem with that young is he doesn't take three point shots. Mm-hmm. He's just not a shooter. Um, that's my big worry about him clogging up kind of the offense. Uh, Brandon, what do you think? Yeah, I'm all on board with it. I think him and Crowder kind of complement each other. Well, just to go off your point, you know, if they need some shooting in those closing lineups and a bigger forward, you could throw Jay out there. If you need someone that can guard maybe some fours and small ball fives, I think that is like one of the best, most underrated defenders in the league. So um, I'm just a big fan of adding good players, which is something yeah, James right. Jones loves to do. So, is also, it, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm all for it. Um, I'm not too attached to Jalen Smith or even like future second round picks or, you know, an injured Sarich or anything like that. So by all means, if the trade presents itself, I'd pull the trigger. Okay, so the next question in the chat is uh, related, so it's a little bit of a tangent here. Did Jalen Smith, New Hope Manny asked if Jalen Smith talked, and what did he say? Uh, Yep, both him and Charge, who we just talked about possibly being traded, did talk today, and what happened uh, was basically... Shards came in and just said how he how frustrated he was in, in just the situation when he hurt his knee in the first game of the finals. That he's like, man, that 10 to 12 minutes really could have helped backing up DA because DA was kind of on an island out there as the only big man left in the Suns rotation. And so Shards said he's uh his rehab is month to month at this point. He just, I think he said in the in I'll have to look back at the transcript, but I think he said today was the first time he had ridden a bike since his surgery. Uh, surgery on his, and his torn, uh, I think it was a meniscus. Uh, maybe it was the ACL. But anyway, he uh, this today was the first day on a bike. Um, so And now they're counting by month to month instead of anything sooner than that. So he's a ways away. He may or may not even play this season. Uh, as far as Jalen Smith, uh, to uh, New Hope Manny's question, Jalen Smith talked the way Jalen Smith always talks. So if you guys listen to any summer league post games at all, um, same dude. And he's happy to be there, happy to play, happy to get a chance. Uh, his his rookie season did not go that as well as he had hoped for him personally, um, but because he didn't get to play at all. And he was just happy to be out there in summer league to play. And he's hoping that he gets a chance to play here in the preseason. 
Did you guys get any other takeaways from the Jalen Smith snippet at all? I think that, yeah, that you recapped it right there. Yeah, just a typical Jalen Smith interview, just kind of going through the motions. He's still young. He's He needs to prove himself, and he knows that. So we'll see. All right. Did either of you guys, now we'll move on to Chandler Hutchison. Whoops, wrong one. Uh, did you either of you guys hear the uh, Chandler Hutchison interview? Or were you already yeah. furiously transcribing at that time? Yeah, I was transcribing then. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> I almost didn't stay for Hutchison because I was like, I gotta get, I gotta get back and get to work. Uh, I did listen Brandon, to it. What actually, did you think? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I actually thought him and uh, Cam Johnson were the two most interesting interviews. So mm-hmm. if you guys have a chance, like once those videos go live, uh, the viewers just go check those out. Uh, I think he's really self-aware. He knows, mm-hmm. like, just in the interview, I, I tweeted this. He just reminded me a little bit of, like, campaign when he first got here, just, like, the humility and not taking the situation for, for granted. And I was also surprised at how familiar he was with, like, the Suns personnel. Like, he knew he was throwing out stuff that, like, it seems like only Suns fans would, would know. So, obviously, he's done his homework. He knows the situation. So, um, you know, I don't see him getting a ton of minutes or anything. But when he does, I think he'll be ready. I keep, I don't know. I keep, yeah. Like you said, he knows things that a lot only Suns fans would do. It's just surprising. We, we're so used to being in our own little world down here in Phoenix because the Suns were so bad for so long, but Hutchison just in the middle, he's like, yep. You, they went eight. No. in the play in the, in the bubble and barely missed the playoffs. And then uh, he's talking like one of us. And yeah. I think it's just all basketball fans, including players just really love the story of the Phoenix Suns. And one of the common themes that I heard from guys who signed with the Suns this offseason, JaVale McGee, Landry Shamick getting acquired, uh, Chandler Hutchison, all those guys are just, they wanted to be a part of what the Suns had to offer. The next question is, did did Elfred seem to be happy back in Phoenix? Um, Elfred's another guy who signed with the Suns, and he said the same thing, that he's he just he liked what he saw from the Suns organization. He wanted to be a part of a winning team. Um, he didn't. He's not much of a talker. If you if you ranked the the quality of the interviews, um, these guys aren't hired to be interviewees. They're hired to be basketball players. But if you ranked the quality of the interviews, uh, he might be toward the bottom because he's just he uh, he's just quiet and he doesn't offer a lot to a conversation. But he did say that he was really happy uh, to, to be back with the sons. Like you should say, after you, after you sign as a free agent, uh, did you guys get anything else out of the Alfred interview that, that I might've missed? I I think just the fact that he came back and said that the vibe and the culture is just so much different than it was before and mentioned the, the arena being upgraded and things that are going into the practice facility and just the vibe is so much different. Um, and you know, we can definitely attest to that. Just what we had seen in the previous half decade before, um, you know, things turned around last year. Uh, so I thought that was an important point too. Yeah, I pretty much echo that. And I know he, he brought up the practice facility twice, maybe three times. So it seems like that was a, a big selling point for him and his relationship with Chris Paul also is brought up by him and Chris, uh, Chris called him family. So it seems like there's something there as well. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I asked him a question specifically about what made you choose the Suns when you already knew Chris Paul as the starter and Cameron Payne as the backup, knowing you're going to be in a, in a, in a heavy uh, point guard situation. And he just said, um, Chris called him and James Jones called him and, and Monty Williams called him and they wanted him to be part of the organization. He felt like 
Uh, he was wanted here and every player just wants to be wanted. Um, Alfred Payton did not have the greatest um, love from his fans in New York because they all wanted Derek Rose or um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on who their rookie was this past year, their rookie guard, but basically, quickly. yeah, Manuel quickly. Um, so everyone wanted th- to see those two guys more often. And so every minute that Alfred was on the court, those guys weren't. And so, um, that's, that's why he kind of got lost in the shuffle there, but he's also not expected to do a whole lot this year, you know, as a third point guard uh, in case of emergency kind of thing. And, and so, uh, someone asked if he had a lot of, he felt pressure coming to the Suns and proving himself on the one year deal. And he said, no, uh, no, I don't feel any pressure. I think that was him or was it Landry Shamit? I can't remember. Um, Shamit also said about the practice facility that was really great. And he said something like and he, what he really likes about this team is that it's like more like a college atmosphere than the prior teams he'd been on. Landry Shamit coming from veteran playoff teams his whole career. He's only played for the Sixers. He's played for the Sixers, Celtics, and uh, excuse me, six, Sixers, Clippers, and Nets, and they've all been wanting to make the finals. And now he comes to a team that has made the finals, and is, he feels he says he feels more like college than anything else because they're sharing the practice facility with the Mercury, and everyone's just hanging out, being friends and stuff. And he he thinks it's great. So Shamit's really excited to be be here too. I think just the whole team, every, the vibe is good with the team. And I'm happy to see that nothing has changed as far as we know so far over the summer. Um, no, uh, Coda kid. I did not see Larry Fitzgerald there, but what they did at media day this year is they had sequestered us basically into the media room and left us there and just, I mean, didn't leave us there kept us there and had all the players cycle in one at a time in past media days. You just take over the practice court where everybody's just walking around saying hi to each other and talking to each other and all the brass and all the personalities and everybody's just kind of walking around. I didn't see Al McCoy today either, and I've never missed Al McCoy on a media day. Um, I didn't see the radio guys at all. Uh, So it was it was it was different. It was like basically a postgame press conference for four straight hours. That's what it was. So we didn't see any extra people. Um, Let's see. ISO Quant, are they doing any preseason stuff in Flagstaff this year? Not that I understand. I think it's all in Phoenix. You guys didn't hear anything about that, did you? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I love the Flagstaff thing. And I I I, I used to absolutely love going up there for training camp because it's so much cooler. It's a nice getaway. And we just did it two years ago. And they, the last time they had a um a, a training camp that was open to media. Uh, but they don't know they don't seem to be planning on doing that this year. Maybe they'll get back uh, after that. Um, where will the scrimmage be? I don't think there's going to be a scrimmage. The first preseason game is next Monday, real preseason game. I haven't heard anything about a scrimmage at all. Um, sometimes they'll do one like the Saturday before to close out the training camp, but I haven't, I haven't heard that mentioned yet. Uh, let's see. Any Abdel Nader talk? Now, I was definitely gone by the time Abdel Nader talked. Did you guys, either of you guys catch Abdel Nader? I wasn't on for him. I did catch it. I thought it was over, and I kind of left my Zoom thing on. And uh, <laughs> there's such a long gap. And then I just hear, like, uh, like the volume noise come back on. I was like, oh, I guess Nader's talking. So, uh, yeah, he just talked about how it seemed like Phoenix wanted him back, and it was like a mutual feeling. 
they hit him up within like the first couple of days of free agency. And uh, he's just been working on his athleticism. And he mentioned uh, specifically like deceleration, something he wants to, to improve and get better at. Um, also threw in, he was kind of surprised Monty played him in the Western Conference Finals, which I thought was funny. Um, yeah. That's, that's right. That's, I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> we were all surprised. <laughs> so it's great that he was surprised too. <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, awesome. we never really got much of a chance to ask Monty about that. Um, he was asked once or twice, you know, in, in post-game press conference. And he just kind of just, I felt like he could help us. Uh, but we never really got to ask much more deep than that. Although Monty would make fun of us if we tried to make that a deep question, I think. Uh, that's a little beyond what he wants to cover in a press conference. I really missed an opportunity with the Monty Williams part. I wanted to ask him. Are you looking forward to 200 straight days of this again, Monty, after your short time off? I'm curious what his answer would have been. I don't think he's looking forward to it, um, answering questions from us. Uh, let's see. Now, we got to go to a big part of the show. Um, well, not a big part, but a big discussion. Um, a few minutes ago, maybe an hour ago now, uh, news came out that Michael Porter Jr., got the full Supermax on a rookie deal, which means 25% minimum, 25% uh, minimum over five years designated rookie max. He would now be, wait a minute, how is this possible? Because aren't Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray already on designated rookie maxes? Or did Jamal Murray get less than max? Shoot, now I got to look that up. You can only have two designated rookie maxes. But definitely MPJ is his value is up to two hundred and seven million over five years if he makes all NBA in this next year. Uh, Trevor, what's your thoughts on whether MPJ is worth the supermax? Uh, I mean, if you look at how he played defensively last year in the playoffs, I'm not too certain he would be. Um, you know, granted he's got a lot of talent as a scorer, but um, that is something crazy um, that he did to get that much. Yeah, I'm going to have to do some research. What do you think on this, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, de defensively, he has a long ways to go. Um, but offensively, I, I could see he definitely has a pretty high ceiling on that end. But just this is the way the Suns target him in the playoffs specifically. doesn't bode well for Denver um, in the long term, and that's a lot of money. But, I mean, they're not paying him for what he is now. They're paying for what he could be down the line, which I think you're also going to see uh, – DeAndre Ayton's agent has to just be licking his chops seeing that because now I, I think there's no way he's going to get anything less than that at this point. Yeah, so the scuttlebutt going around – sorry, I got something in my eye. The scuttlebutt going around was that the Suns were perfectly fine. This is all rumor. The Suns are perfectly fine paying 25%, the 25% number to DeAndre Ayton, uh, but they didn't necessarily want to commit to the escalators up to 30%. Uh, because that would further cut into the luxury tax that they might owe over the next five years if he does make all NBA or or wins awards. It could also be that they were just simply negotiating within that 5% window like they did with Devin Booker a few years ago, that if you make this award, then you'll get 27%. If you make that award, you'll get 28%. I think now um, DeAndre Aiden's reps are just going to say 30 or nothing. I feel like that's all. That's the only thing they can say. You can't let DeAndre Ayton make less money than Michael Porter Jr., I don't think. 
I mean, can you? <laughs> Is that even arguable anymore? No, I don't think so. I mean, he's just becoming one of the top bigs in the league with what he did last year. He's He deserves to get paid. It's like Chris Paul said, he did got a bag coming his way. He should. Yeah, especially with the salary cap increasing down the road. I think now's the time to just lock it up. And uh, it's, it's going to be tough to, to get him for anything less at this point. Yeah, so I think now, I mean, the, the hope before was just stick with, like, uh, Shea Gildas-Alexander got – just the straight five-year, $172 million, 25%, so there's no escalators. Um, <clears throat> but that's now four max contracts coming out of the 2018 draft, and DeAndre Ayton is still the number one pick that led his team to the finals and was the playoffs MVP until one dude cooked him in the last four games of the finals. And now people are forgetting how great he was. Some people are forgetting how great Aiden was in the, in the, in the playoffs because he couldn't stop Giannis Antetokounmpo who figured out how to know how not to commit charges every other drive. Um, so, you know, if we're going to hold that against Aiden, then we should just hand him the 30% right now. Um, so I think Aiden now is going to get his 30%. And I don't think it's particularly much to worry about. I think the Suns just have to give it now. Like I said, there's already four maxes out there, three of which are super max already. Um, so you got to give it to him. And now the other question is Mikel Bridges. Does the MPJ contract impact Mikel Bridges negotiations or is he completely different in you guys' minds? Uh, we'll start with you, Brandon. I think a little bit of both. Like just, I think both recent Denver extensions with Gordon and MPJ could sort of be used as a parallel for Mikel just to like for market value, but there's also not a ton I think you could take out of it. Like, you know, I think Mikel obviously wants to be here and they'll figure something out, but I think it's just more of a trend that the, the market is going is geared for overpays at this point, which this is just kind of what they're worth. So uh, I think Aiden and Mikel are both going to get paid and, you know, NBA fans might call it an overpay on the surface, but that's just the reality of the situation. Trevor, what do you think? Yeah, I think Brandon nailed it pretty much for a guy like Mikhail is going to provide that two-way value, especially um, the market. He, he's got it. That, that's definitely a baseline, what we're seeing, um, and he's got to get paid too. Uh, so I agree with everything Brandon said. So what do you guys think, though, is the number? What do you, is, the, is he a max? He's not. Mikhail can't be max, can he? I don't think so. I, I, I think it'll be something like around that $25 million range, 20 mm-hmm. $25 million per year. Um, that's just my guess. Who knows? His agents are probably trying to get as much as they can, obviously, yeah. and they should. Uh, but yeah, these contracts, I don't think they help in lowering the number at all. If anything, it just raises the leverage. Yeah. Uh, two weeks ago, Flex on on our show here uh, said that Mikel and his, his everyone, Mikel's deal is more close to being done than DA's. And the reason, at least what, from what Flex was hearing, is that Mikel was around in everybody was going to be comfortable in the 95 to hundred range. It's just a matter of, of, of finalizing that actual last million dollars a year. And, and there's really no rush to finish these contracts. Cause first of all, they're not going to start making the money for another year. Second of all, the, the deadline is October 18th, which is literally almost a month away still. So it's not a big deal. Everybody does things at their deadlines. They don't do them way ahead of time if they don't have to. So um, I'm not worried about Mikhail, but 
Now that MPJ got the full max, I wonder if Mikkel's people are now suddenly going to be asking a little bit higher than 95 to 100 over four years. One thing to consider is that because um, DeAndre and Devin Booker are both on five, excuse me, assuming DeAndre gets the five years, sorry. Assuming DeAndre gets the five years uh, this fall, then, and Devin Booker already being on five years, you cannot um, give Mikel five years this fall. You just can't, uh, especially on anything less than max. So does Mikel wait until next spring? Like, um, uh, Jesus, John Collins. I just almost forgot. John Collins got waited until the next spring to get five years, $125 million after turning down a $90 million extension the fall before over four years. Um, Trevor, do you think um, if you're Mikel Bridges, do you – and your people, and you're happy being in Phoenix. You don't want to leave. You want to stay. You want to stay forever. But um, would you want to just ride out the season and, and wait and see if you can get the five-year deal next spring? Or would you sign right now? What do you think, Trevor? Yeah, no, that's a difficult situation. Um, I'm sure you probably have more insight on it than me. Um, you know, I think the priority has to be right now look at winning, right? Like winning this year with what you got um, and just letting that kind of come as an aside of it. We've seen – and other sports where guys have gotten hold up in contracts before. And then, um, you know, you have to play a season too. So I think that's just a balance of, okay, let's, let's try to focus on improving and winning a championship here. Um, you know, and let that thing take care of itself also. Absolutely. Uh, what do you think, Brandon? Yeah, I think, uh, anytime you can get a contract situation figured out before the season, it probably helps eliminate any distractions like moving forward throughout the year. So there's definitely a plus to doing that. Uh, but if he decides to ride it out and bet on himself, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world from his point of view because, like, Mikel's not going to get any worse. I don't think he's going to regress in anything. So if anything, you know, he's, he's going to bet on himself and try to improve. Um, but that being said, it is a very good team, very deep team. So will he have the opportunity to showcase the offensive skill set he's going to need to to get those, like, gaudy numbers that he's going to want? So. Um, there's definitely risk involved anytime you you take a, a risk like that. Uh, but, you know, from his point of view, I think it, it could make sense to wait, but I'm sure he'd probably rather get it done before the season starts. So Coda Kid asks us, <clears throat> do you feel if there's any chance, Mikel, now to get five years right now, Mikel would have to be given the max at the 25% at least. Is there any, any chance Mikel gets the five-year max and DeAndre is the one who waits until next summer? Either of you guys, what do you think? I'd be very surprised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I feel like Mikel is, is just, he just wants to get it done. I feel like he's not going to, he doesn't want to be dramatic. He's never been into the drama. I also feel like um, if anybody was going to feel slighted by it, it would be more likely to be DeAndre. And I don't want to necessarily see DeAndre with his child's bubble burst. You know what I mean? Like he's walking around with his balloons right now. If you start bursting his balloons, what's going to happen? I don't, I don't necessarily want to test that. Although you can't just go through walking around like that. Um, you have to make the right decisions for the Suns. So we go right back to what's the right decision for the Suns. Paying the number one pick who carried you, who carried you in the playoffs and into the finals what he deserves, that's what you should do. Don't uh, Not because DeAndre Aiden wouldn't like it if he wasn't given the, the extension right now. 
I was just commenting that I think he'd be the one more likely to be affected by it uh, negatively. I think he deserves it. I think the Suns should just go ahead now, do the 30% max for Aiton, and try to close out Mikel for four years, 100, uh, $100 million. And if it goes up a couple of bucks, it goes up a couple of bucks. I would just try to close them out. I think that that makes sense. Now, the question is, can the Suns afford all that? Yeah, they can afford all that. They can afford all of it because Chris Paul's only guaranteed for two more years, and these guys' deals don't kick in for one more year. So there's really only a one-year overlap of a ton of money, and that's just you pay the luxury tax and you keep your guys. They've already proven they have the roster that can make the finals, so you keep your guys. Everything is everything's good. If the Suns had lost in the first round last year, I would not feel the same way. I would feel like you can't you can't lock up four guys on a first round loser. You can't. But they didn't. They made it all the way to the finals, and so now you can. I feel like that's a that's a smart way to go. Um, all right. Uh, we've been on here 45 minutes. I think uh, there was a fun media day. Um, Trevor, do you have any closing thoughts? Anything we haven't touched on that you wanted to make sure fans heard about for media day today? I'd just say keep it locked on the site. We got some more transcribing to do. So that's what's coming next. That's right. Trevor has been a beast today. <laughs> he has already fully transcribed three interviews and it only ended a couple of hours ago. And so you've got the full James Jones and we're talking about the site being brightsideofthesun.com. The full interview from James Jones, from Monty Williams and from uh, DeAndre Aiden. All three are up there. Aiden's, uh, you'll love watching and reading some of his quotes. Those are great. Um, they did let us talk to all 15 guys. I don't think we're going to transcribe all 15 guys, but there's a couple more that we're going to want to get into. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about was, um, Jay Crowder and his headspace, mm. his, um, that he, that he hit a wall that he was fried at some point last year. But, but, um, I'll do that in my closing thought. So you don't steal it from me, Brandon, <laughs> uh, Trevor. Um, thank you for being the beast this afternoon. And we're going to have a lot more coming. Um, on not only just transcriptions, but also analysis of what we think of what we saw at Media Day. Brandon just posted as well. Actually, it's going up. I think it went up 15 minutes ago on, on brightsideofthesun.com. Brandon's uh, recap, his own recap from more from more of the interviews and his takeaways from the biggest interviews of the day and what he, what he got out of it. Um, what other things do you want to touch on right now, Brandon, before we close out? Yeah, Trevor killed it with those uh, those recaps. I just try to make a quick rundown of everyone's like notable things I thought stood out. So go check that out on Brightside. Um, yeah, overall, I just think that the vibe, it's going to be a really fun team again. It seems like they're really bought in together and everyone wants to be there. And I think uh, you start, you're going to start to see too, like around the league that their culture, their practice facility, um, you know, just the environment there is going to attract players that want to be there. So uh, whether that's free agency or trades, I think the Suns are slowly building a place where people want to be. And that's, it's just really cool to see that unfold after, you know, what we've been through like the past decade before, you know, Jones got here. So uh, it just right. seems like a different team and uh, it was just fun to be a part of media day. Yeah. So I'll just mention uh, the one thing we hadn't, we hadn't touched on uh, two things we haven't touched on. One is uh, Dwayne Rankin did yeoman work today with the Arizona Republic. He asked every single player, if they were vaccinated and while it's a personal thing, it's still important because of the NBA and the way the NBA rules are. Every player said they were fully vaccinated. 
Uh, he was not in the room for one of them, but um, the way Chris Paul answered uh, Dwayne's question was, uh, you got to be vaccinated to play games and no one here wants to miss games. So while the, while Arizona itself may not preclude you from playing unvaccinated for your team and the NBA is deferring to local markets for vaccination um, uh, laws. And so as playing for the Phoenix Suns at home games, not be a problem, but going around the league to different cities, there may be vaccination rules. And so none of the Suns want to miss games. So you got to kind of, Alfred Payton did comment that he had to be, he basically only got the vaccination done because of that. Um, so I thought that was interesting that Dwayne actually went out on the limb to ask those questions. It's not a political thing. It's not a personal thing. Um, it's more just asking for NBA benefits because you, if you want to play all the games, you've got to you got to be covered. So that was interesting. And the only other thing was Jay Crowder commented that he actually was fried, mentally fried at some points last season. Um, and it was, it was refreshing to see people or someone like him talking with a little bit of vulnerability about maybe he wasn't his best self every day of the past, you know, year and some days, some weeks at, you know, a week at a time, he was just like, wow, I don't even know if I like basketball right now, but um, you bounce right back and he was great in the playoffs. Um, so I, I thought that was really cool. So, uh, uh, either between Trevor and I, we'll make sure that his interview is transcribed to make sure that you guys get to see his comments on mental health. Uh, players are, are so they don't want to lose, you know, any of their, any of their macho-ness. And so they usually don't talk about mental health issues, but it's, it's common amongst regular people and they're regular people. So I thought that was cool. Okay, after a quick break, we'll go to the campaign exclusive interview. Week three of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when you just bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, you don't want to miss this. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first cash deposit. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Arizona users are fine. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. You have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or if you're in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, campaign, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, so <clears throat> going back to the playoffs, you last time you and I spoke, we were uh, talking about how a lot of your teammates were going to reach their first playoff series ever. Um, and obviously you guys made it all the way to the finals. How did, how did you see them reacting in that first series, you know, when all, all the adjustments had to be made against those Lakers? Um, it was kind of like uh, the, the, the fact that we played the Lakers kind of made it a little bit more intense. Uh, even though it was a lot of the guys' first playoffs, and like you said, we had to make those adjustments. I think it was just, man, more so like, in the playoffs, like man, we 
we got to find a way to stop LeBron. We got to find a way to stop Andy Davis. And, like, when, when we went to adjustment, it was always, like, a question, like, we sure? I mean, we won last game. We're going to adjust again. We're going to adjust still. Because, you know, no matter when the loss, the next game is a brand-new game. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, they adjusted. We adjusted. So you really don't know what they're going to give. Uh-huh. And they don't know what we're going to do. So it was just always kind of like everything was just kind of kind of weird until we got on the court and, and, like, the game officially started. Because just the guessing game is kind of tough. And for us, it was just like, man, okay, we just ready to go out there and play and play hard and give it all we got. That's right. So um, it was just kind of confusing and a little hard, I, I, I would say, for some of them. But we fought through and figured it out. So what was it like uh, seeing Chris Paul in so much pain? I mean, he was basically playing with one arm. It was tough. It was was tough, uh, especially when he went down and uh, especially seeing him cry. It was kind of like a, like a man. Uh, Is it it over for us? Because C went down and all these questions, you know, a lot of people had those doubts. And uh, for me, I was just like, Time to step up. Like the things I've always talked about. Time to step up. See, not looking too well. It's time to hold it down until you got back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just had that mindset of just coming in and helping him out until he got back. Man, I, I seen him go down, and it's like the the breath went out the arena. Like it was yeah. just kind of quiet for like mm-hmm. fifteen seconds. Like, man, what's going on? Is he okay? Is he okay? And uh, at, at the time, I was kind of freaking out. I'm like, man. <laughs> This this feel like my first playoff series you're too, like, and you just like, throw me out there. I'm like, like where did everyone go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was, it was it was all good. It was just a part of the journey. He he did he did fine, and uh, he was okay. That was the best part. That he he ended up coming in. When he made that free throw, I had a sense of relief, uh, even though he went back and didn't play no more. Yeah. When he knocked that free throw down, I you knew he at least okay. used the arm. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, then you get to the Western Conference Finals, and he gets COVID. And you got to start the first two games. Tell me what that what that was like. Uh, I was nervous, nervous as hell. I, <laughs> I was like, man, I just did this in L.A. I'm like, man, it's it's time, like bigger stage. Uh, I was prepared. I was ready for it. Uh, we had just came off that four four zero sweep uh, mm-hmm. against the Nuggets, so we kind of had a good amount of confidence, and uh, I was I was just ready for the opportunity. Uh, when they said he caught COVID right after that trip, it was just like, what? <laughs> what? Something, something, something else happened to see? What happened to see? And uh, and he caught that COVID. I was just like, all right, man, I got to make sure my game is super tight now. And, and yeah. don't make no turnovers. That was my thing. Like, I talked to my dad on the phone. I'm like, I don't care if I don't shoot good. It don't matter. Just don't turn the ball over. Yeah. That was my number one thing. And uh, I guess actually playing like that <laughs> allowed me to have some great games. You uh, did twenty nine and nine with no turnovers in game two. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, it was it was it was it was cool. It was definitely a experience, and uh, I just felt like I stepped up when my opportunity was called, and and I made the most of it. Uh, just looking forward to this season and doing the same. So what happened? So what happened in your your opinion you you you've spent two months thinking about this what happened in the finals those last four games what's your what's your short take uh, I feel like we were kind of banged up uh, but we man, it was, Giannis was a tough coverage uh, we needed to find out different ways to keep him occupied on the defensive end and offensively uh, 
tried to get him to stay out the paint a little bit more, and that that kind of it kind of hurt us. He played great. Drew Holiday played good mm-hmm. today. Their whole team played really well, and we came out started out two zero, and um, I feel like we kind of got comfortable. Um, I kind of just feel like we 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 thought we had it, mm-hmm. and um, you know you can, sometimes you get humble quick. And Giannis came and played outstanding, had some great games, big time plays. But uh, I mean, we put ourselves in a position to be a champion, so that was all that we wanted. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, I know it was kind of hurtful to walk off that court and see another team celebrate. But sometimes that's what you need. Yeah. Sometimes that's what you need that gives you that other fuel to come back next season with a different mindset. So. I was just more so grateful that our team had the opportunity to be in the finals. Right. And we all know how it feel, what it tastes like, what it look like. And now we know, like, when it's that when when we get the opportunity again to come back to the finals, leave no doubt. Leave no doubt. Uh and that's what the Bucks did. That's what Young did. He left no doubt. He he talked about it all summer. He wanted to be the greatest player in the world, not just M V P. He wanted to be the best guy. He took control of that uh, in the finals. And he left no doubt for sure. All right, now let's move on to the off season. So you're a free agent. Mm-hmm. How, how did that – did you get offers? Or were you talking to other teams? Or was it really just staying with the Suns? Uh, in my mind, it was staying with the Suns. Uh, but obviously the the working part of it, uh, we talked to a couple teams. Uh, I knew deep down I wanted to be here. Mm-hmm. But we had to play the market. And uh, – I had a couple more offers, but like I said, it was I wanted to be here. I wanted to be in Phoenix. Uh, I just feel like the city embraced me. And my decision wasn't too hard. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, we're really thrilled to have you back. That's appreciate for sure. it. Appreciate it. Um, all right, so, are there new wrinkles you've been working on in your game to add this year? Um, I probably say I want to be better defensively. I, I've been working on my strength, working on my body, um, and also. Finishing at the goal a little bit better. Uh, I feel like teams have scouted me, <laughs> and they know I'm going to do a quick left-hand layup. So right. um, I kind of just add a couple more layups to my package uh, to try to keep the defense guessing a little bit more. Yeah, maybe a little hesitation. or Do you have a floater game? <laughs> yeah, I can have floaters for sure. That, that's crazy. That, that's how I started my career. I was all floaters, like floaters to threes. Never uh-huh. all the way to the rack layups. Yeah. It was all a floater game, and that wasn't the best shot to take in the NBA at the time. But now it's okay. <laughs> well, as a change of pace, you might have to. For sure. It seemed like by the by the finals, at least they were they were kind of waiting for that for oh, that yeah. hard dive for to sure, the rim. For sure, and uh, they had a lot of length. <laughs> oh <laughs> man, Brooke and Giannis. <laughs> they Jesus. had a lot of length, so it was kind of <laughs> hard to uh, camp out down there. And, build my space uh, in the lane with layups. Uh, yeah. So, like you said, I got to add to my game. Like the floater, when you can't get all the way down, you got to be able to stop short and knock it down. Yeah, it's just a matter of knowing when and in and, and what situations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, with the Bucks, and the, do you feel like with the addition of JaVale McGee, you guys have done what you need to do to add more length to your team against a team like that? Or do you think you shouldn't be adjusting just because of one series? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say we were. It's it's an adjustment to the one series. I feel like, obviously, Dario went out. Um, I feel like we need another big, and we we could have used one last year, um, as well. Um, mm-hmm. I know Frank did a great job for the time he was in in the finals. Uh, 
he didn't play all the whole time, and you just get stuck. All in. in game six, yeah, and, just... and, and and he 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 did a pretty decent job. Uh, but like man, having that presence defensively, uh, Javale's gonna be huge for us on 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 that aspect of it. Uh, I just know when I'm in the game with Da, it's a difference when you got somebody blocking it down there. You yeah. Know? Uh, so I just know having Javale will be huge, and even Landry uh, having another a real good shooter on the, on the perimeter is gonna. Spread the defense out even more, uh, so I think the other dish is going to be perfect for us, and I think uh, they're they're going to be good enough for us to get back. I think that's good. So, where do you think you guys are going to improve the most this year, based on? Uh, I think defensively. I think defensively we're going to be better. Yeah. I think uh, we know coaches' schemes a lot better. Uh, we pretty much got the same team, mm-hmm. and uh, man, we we play hard. We 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 played a lot of heart, and I think. Man, defensively, we're going to take it to another level. Because uh, I think offensive take care of itself. You got CP book. Like, yeah, it ain't too much more, <laughs> you know. No, you uh, don't got to worry about it there. So I just think defensively, I think that's going to be the priority. Because people are going to come at us. And we need to be locked in, focused in defense. is what wins championships. So that's what we're trying to do. Uh, yeah. Um, Cameron Johnson, I think it was, said recently, he learned more about defense in the playoffs than he had in his first two years in the league. Yeah. You feel like that's going to carry forward for that whole team? I think so. I think so. Uh, like I said before, the experience was huge. Like, the experience of just being in the playoffs and, like you said, the adjustments and things. Like, now we take it onto the court. Instead of coach having to say something, I think it's more of a player thing. Mm-hmm. We, we figure it out ourselves. Because uh, we started doing that in the playoffs. Like, coach said, man, we're not playing. You know, some, at, at some point, it's going to have to be a figure-out-for-yourself type, type of thing. Yeah. And uh, now... Uh, that everyone have a little bit more experience, a little bit older, been through some stuff, I think, uh, defensively. And being more vocal around each other and talking a little bit more is going to help us defensively. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good luck this season. Thanks. I appreciate it. And thank you for coming and listening to the show today, folks. I appreciate you finding me on this new feed. If you like what you heard today and on other episodes, share this pod with your friends. Not everybody has found the new solar panel feed. We get fresh national and local guests every episode at least once a week, if not twice or three times. And before you go today, right now, please make sure you're subscribed or following and getting notifications when new episodes are released. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate a five-star rating and a review if you've got the time. But at least that rating, that would really help me rebuild. Thank you. Talk to you next time.